Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Engadget podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Sherman Low, and my usual co-host Devendra is out on vacation these next two weeks. And today, joining me as guest co-host is one of my favorite people in the world, senior reporter Jess Condit. Hey, Jess, how are you? Hello, I'm happy to be here. That's how I am. That's wonderful. You look lovely. And if you want to take a look at what I mean by Jess looks lovely, you can join us every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern on the Engadget YouTube channel. We do a live stream of the recording of this podcast. Uh, I am doing the intro a little bit out of order today, but this week we are here to talk about a couple of reviews that went up on Engadget.com. What went up is not entirely accurate. We've been reviewing the Pixel (laughs) tablet, the Moto Razr Plus. That latter review might not be up when you are, if you're live now watching us on the stream or if you are listening literally when this episode drops, uh, but it should be on this website very soon. We also have Jess here to talk about Summer Games Fest with us. We have a special guest this episode to talk about some of the foldable things we've been touching and looking at. It'll be a very fun episode, I promise. Uh, As usual, if you are enjoying the show, please make sure you subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes because that'll help more people discover us, join in the fun. And then, like I said, if you have time, Thursday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern, head on over to the Engadget YouTube channel. It's a good time. So this week, one of the reviews we have going up on the website is the Motorola Razr Plus. This is a foldable phone. I know you're excited to talk about this. Uh, Jess, I know you are a Flip 4 Galaxy Z Flip user yourself. We will get right into that. But before uh, I ask you on your thoughts and what you're excited for, I'd like to introduce our guest for most of this show, actually. Uh, Foldy boy, spectacular, genius, extraordinaire himself, (laughs) Mr. Michael (laughs) Fisher, how's it going, uh, Fisher? It's, go- it's going very well. That's the best intro I've had on a pod in a while, but not the best <laughs> one I've had this week. On Twitter, a brand introduced me as Millionaire Mr. Mobile oh. recently, and I was like, "That's that is not the case." <laughs> oh. Wait, is that how you become a millionaire? Does someone just call you a millionaire? I believe Dang. so. Yeah. All right, I've been doing You're it wrong. Yeah, it. that's the All thing. Right. Still waiting on wow. the delivery of the cash uh, pallet. But, yeah, uh, right. Where's the check? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> they didn't ask to for it to verify. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, uh, you know, whenever we talk about foldable phones, uh, me and 
uh, Michael Fisher or Mr. Mobile. I don't know what you prefer, but MF, right? Yeah. MF, MF, yo. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah, I, I, for the record, I, I want to say I don't, I don't buy the Devendra story. I, the vacation? No, he did not want to debate me on foldables, <laughs> and that's why he fled right. his own uh, podcast. No, yeah. it's uh, that makes sense. Every time escape. I'm in this room, I'm filming all the time, listening to this show. Devendra is talking about foldables, and I'm shouting out loud to myself, <laughs> uh, being like, "Debate me!" <laughs> anyway. We, we need to. Be. We really do need to have you on the show uh, to talk to Devendra directly in front of an audience <laughs> about all of this. Um, but yeah, no, me and Fisher a moderated debate, maybe. Yes, actually, we should bring Jess back on to debate too because Jess also herself uses. I would do it. Yes, but no, our tradition is we have Fisher on. We talk about folding things, and this week the folding thing du jour, the topic, is the flip style, right? The 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 the, the foldable phone. Uh, format that I think is going to be more popular, which is a regular size phone that folds into half to become a more, I describe it, oh, I keep, I'm going to refer to my review that's not up yet. And I, I need to explain this. Like before we get into the phone proper, quick behind the scenes, allow me to um, maybe vent or rant. I don't know. And, and this is not an explanation because I want anyone to feel bad for me. It's because I just want to explain why our review isn't up yet. One, it started <laughs> at WWDC. Where I got sick and then came back and had, you know, this virus plaguing my entire body. And uh, the Pixel tablet arrived the day, two days after WWDC, which is when I got home. Uh, I set it up immediately, but then passed out for like, I think five days because I was so sick. So couldn't really use it. And then when I was starting to actually eagerly in earnest test it, I realized the embargo lift on a very weird time. I, I know, Fisher, you were reviewing this, so you're aware. It was on the night of Juneteenth, basically. That's right. Yeah. yeah. At like so it's 3 June, in the morning. Yeah, June 20th at 12 a.m. Uh, Pacific, so like 3 a.m. Eastern. So basically what happened was I was still sick, shot the video, wrote the thing. Me and my editor, Terrence, had to stay up till 3 a.m. or 12 midnight, basically, um, editing and putting everything in the CMS that night on Monday, which everyone else had had the day off. So I was already annoyed and pissed at that. But at the same time, I was reviewing the Motor Razor Plus and suffering from the same issues, which is I didn't get time to spend with this phone um, until I started to write the thing maybe like yesterday. And last night as we were hurtling towards 9 p.m., my editor and I were like, I was like, I look, I don't, I don't think I can get you the full review by like 9 p.m. You might have to stay on till 10 to edit this. And he was like, um, I don't think we need to care about the embargo. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? The on-sale date for this device, it, it pre-orders started June 16th. The actual on-sale date is June 23rd. Why am I letting Motorola say, hey, June 22nd is when your story goes up the day before it goes on sale? I'm like, listen, you're right. Let's do it June 23rd. So our review is currently uh, going to go up tomorrow. We already have the video. I shot it yesterday. Uh, and this will allow me to do more things and, and get more familiar with the phone and, and really feel more comfortable. Uh, the whole reason of bringing that up is that I just want companies to be like, hey, when you all do embargo timings like this and you stack things around each other, this is what happens. I We don't get to do them properly. I don't feel like I can really say anything about this product. And also I got things wrong, one one thing wrong in my Pixel tablet review, which we can get to in a little bit. Anyway, I just want to say you are yes. not alone on that. And I know this is not what we're going to talk about all episode, but like, yeah, no, it has been Techtober in June and it's, it's just been insane. And I also am operating on very little sleep and I also have gotten things wrong in all three of my recent videos. So, uh, solidarity, uh, I'm not sick on top of that. You have it worse. 
I, I, I mean, I think it's like everyone has a different, you, you're one person doing all of the products. I'm sure the MacBook Air um, was, you know, some, I don't know if you had that, but that's another thing that recently we had to review. And then if you're a team like us, you know, then there's other things like you have background stuff to work on. I have to help manage things, edit other things. So basically just a little behind the scenes talk about, you know, yes, our jobs look glamorous and fun from the outside, but there's a lot of um, stress in the background. Anyway, I got to say, yes. I love that call from Terrence, your editor, like that, that's something that we've had to do in games as well. Sometimes it's like, yo, that's not even worth it to hit this embargo. That relief of not being beholden to an embargo that does not work for your schedule, like is such, such a good call and something we should do more often, I think, Prioritizing as needed. Yeah. So if you are listening to this or watching and you have other thoughts on when we should publish things, like doesn't matter if you read a review on the day something goes on sale, I would love to hear what y'all think because maybe our gut check, we need a gut check. Uh, so send us your thoughts, podcast and gadget.com. Now, 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 now we'll talk about the phone. Okay, let's talk about this phone. All right, Jess, you use a Galaxy Z Flip 4. I don't know if you heard about the Razer Plus before this, um, before this episode, but had you? Yes. Well, I'm very interested in it because I've had my my Galaxy for, uh, what, may, almost a year now, maybe? And the, it's starting to like lift a little bit. That screen on the inside is starting to not be as pristine. So I would love a new flip. Yeah. So are, are you like, if let's say you're looking at the Razer Plus as made by Motorola, as opposed to like whatever Samsung makes next, what would cause you to switch to the Moto instead of the Galaxy Z Flip? Honestly... I'm pretty like bought into the flip idea already. I'm just looking at the companies that are doing it the best and the ones that are going to last the longest. Like I already knew that this generation of flip phones probably was going to, yeah, I would see some wear and tear mm. on that actual mm. bendable screen. So I'm not surprised that my Galaxy is doing that. But I love the classic Razer. Like back in the day, it's very high school for me. So like Razer already kind of has my, my, my money. Mm -hmm. They just have to not mess it up. So I'm pretty sold already. Mr. Mobile, what do you think? For me, for me, I, 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 one thing distinguishes the Razer Plus from every other foldable out there, and I'm sure we're in agreement. But you know, the the fact that you know the Razer doesn't have that iconic chin at the bottom anymore, did that bother you, or do you like it? Because this one, again, if you're from the, if you're a millennial, I guess, and you remember the the that Razer with the very sharp profile, but it snaps into this little chin that cups the top of the screen. That's no longer. Um, a design uh, thing on the Razer Plus or the Razer Regular uh, for 2023. Did that bother you at all, uh, Fisher? Yeah, it, it it breaks my heart. It's kind of the only thing. It's my biggest disappointment about the devices because when Motorola released the Razer 5G, which I still have here because I just don't have the heart to get rid of it, I feel like that, that 2020 edition was the perfect way to resurrect this old kind of nostalgic uh, design that was, let us not forget, it's called the Razer. It should have a degree of sharpness to it. Yeah, the Razer uh, Plus for 2023, certainly at first glance, I mean, it it looks exactly like a Z Flip uh, until that outer screen comes on. So yeah, I'm, um, I'm the design is probably my biggest letdown, but um, there's a lot of good that's packaged. Yeah. It, so I've learned. Uh, to let's forget. get into that. I 
am enamored with that outside screen. I freaking love the Razer Plus's external display. This is a 3.6 inch uh, panel uh, compared to the Z Flip 4, which is 1.9 inch only. Uh, Moto's also has a 144 hertz refresh rate, and this thing runs goddamn full Android. It basically is full Android. Holy crap. I wasn't. I will admit that I wasn't paying attention when Motorola launched this thing, but when I started to review this thing, I was like, oh my lord. Fisher, same? <laughs> same feels? Uh, yes, I was. I did not have the degree of surprise because you've you've been able to do that on every razor. You've been able to since their first software update. You've been able to run any app you want on the cover. The difference is that this is truly mammoth. Your point is is right. Like they've essentially covered the entire external surface in a display to the degree that I thought I would do a stunt. I thought I would say I'm not going to do a review at embargo time. I'm going to do a video where I duct tape the thing shut and I just use it closed. <laughs> That's for a, a great week. idea. And I was like, no, there's way too much to talk That's about. Funny. I can't do that. But I did do it for a morning and I put that in my review video. And it is amazing how, look, it's, is it comfortable? No, it's a tiny phone, but it's amazing how doable it is. Everything from ferry tickets to paying for stuff to Spotify to Twitter to email. Like it's, it just, it, it works wonderfully. So it's the new small phone. It's not just another flip phone. It's it's this small phone yeah. people have wanted for years. It's here. Yeah. It feels like, um I described it in my review. Again, it's a review I've written but can't publish yet. But it's, I described it in my <laughs> review as like a pager, but with a fully functioning screen on the outside. Um And to, to uh, do name Charlie in our chat points out that external screen is the size of the original iPhone. I didn't even realize this. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, you got to. That's cool. You got to dismiss <laughs> Pythagoras, but but yes, it has the same diagonal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Generally, yeah. And but and who needs them? That's. I mean, that makes it so much more functional. Mark Dell in our chat, which by the way, thanks for joining, um, says that I'm guessing Sherlyn's just excited because she can take selfies constantly with it. Okay. 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 Listen. <laughs> yes. But it can do so much more. Okay. So. We've we've talked about how um, the size is right, and and uh, I know Fisher, you said that Moto has done this on former razors before, but let's kind of go over what I mean by full Android here. Basically, on this screen, you have um, some software tweaks to make everything work a little better on a screen of this size. You've got instead of like. Um, any app you want on the homepage, you kind of have a, a, a row of five uh, shortcuts that you can determine. And these lead to widgets that you can add uh, as like side panels, very similar to the way the Z Flip works, except for in addition, you can also have a full app drawer. You can swipe down from top to see your uh, settings. So you can have all your status indicators for your Wi-Fi, your battery, uh, your brightness, uh, the, the slider is there, um, NFC, all of the stuff. Stuff, all of that good stuff. And then you can um, swipe from bottom up to see open apps that you have on that, that thing. So it's very typical of Android. And then you can tap a button in the bottom left to see um, notifications. And uh, I'm sure you've done this in your testing, Fisher, but Jess, I don't know if your mind's going to be blown by this. You can reply to messages on a QWERTY keyboard on this screen. <laughs> can you do that on your Samsung? I'm very into that. No. Yeah. No, yeah. no, this front screen is trash. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fine. But, you know, compared to this, like, it's so small. Like, when I first, I know I'm sounding a little incredulous right now, but I like was like, look, this is a, this is a it's QWERTY cute. keyboard. I started to reply to people using this thing. And do you know how nice it is to be able to like reach across a screen with my thumb again and just be able to type everything with just one hand? 
And any input mode you want. You can swipe out there. You can do dictation. You can do anything you can do on the inner Gboard, as long as you use Gboard. It's great. It's amazing. And then I, you can cool. swipe in from the side. If you use gesture navigation, you can swipe in from the side to go back, which is something that now that I mean iOS, I know, I know. Now that I mean iOS, I'm, that's the gesture I miss the most, swiping in from the side to go back a, a step or a page. Um, it, it's, it's just fascinating that they've managed to do this, right? And one more thing I will say that Moto has the advantage here is basically any app that you use on the main screen inside, you can enable this thing called like allow on external display. I don't think they have an official name. Continuity. Continuity. I mean, it is a continuity related feature is what, yeah. I don't know. That's a name. That's a name. Continuity. I think so. I don't know. Basically you can allow any app, any app. Do you know how many hours of solitaire I played? (laughs) (laughs) On the front screen? Mostly in the inner screen, but on the front screen too. It's doable. This is a janky third-party app that I'm just like, allow an external display. And then when you're playing it on the inside screen and you fold your phone, you can either have it automatically take over on the smaller screen or hit a button to, uh, you can can make it so that you have to first tap a button before it will activate on the front screen or just not. And this works for every app. And you might be worried that the um, cameras on the front will cover um, whatever you see on the screen, but there's another feature that you can swipe out from bottom and let it, you know, sit in an aspect ratio uh, that is in a box above the cameras. So again, I don't have the most experience with a Razer foldable, but it's this screen and the way Motorola's built the software around it is so well thought out. It's, it, you just said, I heard, you said it's kind of amazing. Is this different from other foldables you've tried, Mr. Mobile Fisher? <laughs> Oh, oh, completely. Yeah, no, I mean, it, so many manufacturers do this thing where they will fit a cover display that is larger and they will kind of call it a day. They'll be like, cool, look, like Oppo is, is the number one example of this. They build the Find N2 Flip. It's a great phone. They put a huge cover display on there. Yeah. All of us are saying the same thing Jess said a second ago, like, yeah, this Flip 4 screen is trash. I'm so relieved. And then Oppo literally built the exact same widgets that Samsung offered <laughs> and doesn't let you do anything else. And it's like, you got you guys just exploded my head with frustration. Vivo did that. Somebody else, I think, out of Huawei. Uh, this is the first phone that has a display not only large enough to do anything you want out here, but the software, to your point, Sherlyn, that is well designed enough that it's not a chore and it, it's it is a gift. And the fact that it's not, you know, we'll get to it, but the fact that it's not fifteen hundred dollars or whatever is is also nice. Yeah. And to be to be clear, honey, Jess, when you're considering a new phone, this thing costs the same as a Z Flip 4, $999 or $1,000. Um, the, there are obviously going to be a few quirks, and there are some. Um, for example, that, that, that keyboard that I mentioned, it'll take over the entire screen, so it's not that you can see your, um, you know, your previous messages while you're typing. And I think it makes more sense. That way you don't want to you know, cramp up the keyboard and make it less usable just to see what's uh, above. But... When you do hit enter or something, it takes an extra step to send the message through. So depending on what app you use, I think, but I was using Telegram and it was like, oh, I typed out my reply, got rid of the keyboard and still had to add, like hit send. Eh, sure. And then there are some instances in certain apps where it really just doesn't work no matter what you do. So for example, if you're navigating uh, a drive with Google Maps and you're also playing media from 
YouTube Music or Spotify at the same time. And this is something that um, our our friend Julian Chokatsu over at Wired uh, pointed out to someone we both know. So I've heard <laughs> through third-hand knowledge, but tested it myself. Basically, um, if you do that on the small screen up front, uh, you're having this exact scenario and you, you try to use the front screen to do that. Uh, you won't be able to see your map or navigation basically because the the media playback area covers up the map entirely. And when you do that on the small screen, is you just don't see anything. Here's the thing though, in that specific scenario, just open up the phone, right? Just just use the main <laughs> screen. It's not yeah. like you can't, you know? It's like, bro, just open up the phone. But again, to be clear, there will be some quirks. I don't need the front screen to do literally everything, right. but it would be nice if it did more than the flip that I have right now, right? Like, it, and that's that's what this sounds like it does. And I'm happy about that. Yeah. And it does uh, that. Thank you for reminding me to read that review. I just tried Julian's, um, th that use case, and I am playing music while navigating in maps, so I don't know you how to, to break driving, it, but I will driving, figure out how to break it. Driving navigation, okay. not uh, not walking. Oh, I not tried walking, it with walking. You have to push start. Yeah, and you have huh, to push start. So when you yeah, when you're okay. right when you're dri driving navigation and you're playing music, um, I used well, Spotify. I think Julian used uh, uh, YouTube Music. You will see the bottom of the screen showing your media playback controls, um, just so it's easier, I guess. If you don't see that, then let me know. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I don't because Spotify's playing in the background. It's cool. No, I want to take yeah. apart that use. I I, I have we, to. I love Julian's reviews, so I got to go read that one. Anyway. That front screen, I think, makes a world of difference on the uh, Razer Plus. To be clear, Razer Plus is the name. There is also a version of this called the Moto Razer. Um, it's, uh, I don't know the price range yet because while it has a smaller front screen, it has uh, better cameras, so it's hard to really um, compare them, and we don't really know a lot of details on that phone. We did just only review the Razer Plus. Um, but speaking of cameras... Did you, what did you think about the cameras here? I, I did them, I did a head-to-head -head comparison between the Z Flip 4 and the Moto Razr Plus for cameras. Eh, it's all I'm going to say. Uh, what do you think, Fisher? No flip phone has a good camera. I think Miriam Chouar would probably take issue with me on that. She likes the Oppo. Uh, I don't think any flip phone has a good camera. You have a lot of compromises. This is a particularly mediocre camera uh, in my experience especially against the Flip 4. The Flip 4 makes everything a colorful cartoon, which is its own brand of problem. But Motorola, whatever they're doing with their color science, it just sucks the life out of everything. It makes it so depressing. Except, I will say, at night. At night, so the Razer does outperform the Flip 4. That's so funny. I had the exact opposite experience. Well, not exactly. Really? I had a different experience. Fascinating. So same thing where Samsung renders colors colors more uh, richly when they're definitely more saturated. Um, my landscapes side by side, you can see you know trees are greener, skies blue or whatever. Um, my own selfies, I look washed out on the Moto compared to the Samsung. At night, the Moto was suffering from like lens flares. It was just m muddy, but the Razer, I mean the Flip. Just better. No, not as much lens flares. Um, I think maybe, I don't know, you, did you use both night mode and, and not or? Uh, no, I, I mostly stuck to automatic, but it's funny because the lens flare shouldn't be affected by that. And the, the flip had crazy lens flare and the motor exactly. didn't. So that's weird. Ah, so we had different experiences. We, okay. So. Yeah, we had opposite experiences completely. Interesting. That's fascinating. Huh. But retest. Yeah. Another I, test is in order. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, to your original point, Fisher, 
neither of them were great, right? I also like did the same pictures with the Pixel um, 7 Pro just as a control to compare to, and obviously the Pixel does better in all cases. Um, here's the thing. I think though, even as the camera sucked, it didn't suck to the extent where I was like, it, you know, would hold me back from recommending this. I think more, it's still a decent, like it, it does the job. Um, yeah. I was still shooting and a dog. It was cute as shit. You know, slow, struggled with autofocus a little bit here and there. Um, Definitely. Right? And yeah. that's the bummer because you, you have two different perspectives on this, right? It's like, or I do. Um, if, if this phone is going to be marketed to creators, which it is, uh, they, they, yeah. can't, they can't whiff yeah. on the camera. Like it can't yeah. be a mediocre camera and it feels like a mediocre camera. However, the fact that it has this giant cover screen that you can use as a viewfinder in other mm -hmm. apps and stuff, it it kind of counterbalances that. And then if you take into account that content creators are often going to Lightroom or Snapseed their photos anyway. Right, so right. kind of save it in the edit. You know, it's it's not great, but it's not it's not a phone killer. I got to say, like, this, all this conversation is actually, like, very relevant to my interests. I, I do care a lot about the camera, and that is one complaint I have about the flip phone I have now. And it's like, okay, so I, I just have to expect a more mediocre camera in a flip phone for now. And that's just kind of it. So I'm just going to buy, like, a nice... A nice camera, right? And maybe carry that around and take some photos with that instead until we figure out the camera situation. I think so. Um, I think maybe the Z Flip 5, which by the way, we are expecting to see very soon. Uh, and it's going to be in South Korea. Obviously, we probably are going to see the Z Flip 5, Z Fold 5. That's at least what generation they're on next. Um, who knows what you know? improvements might come. A larger screen might be on the list. Uh, that's also one detriment to the Razer Plus, right? Which is that like, yeah, you've got a nice big screen now, um, but you're also launching this like weeks before Samsung's anticipated to have its next foldable launch. So in general, if you're listening to this and you're thinking if you should buy the Razer Plus, the big uh, advice I would give you is to wait, right? Just wait. Uh, you never know what's around the corner. But the camera, back to that point of like, yeah, I don't think this is a creator-friendly phone. I do think that it does give the Z Flip 4, at least, some serious competition, at least in the US. I don't know, Have have do you feel like, are there any other flip style folding phones, Fisher, that are re retailing in the US? No, I mean, it is the only competition for the Flip 4 uh, and, and the upcoming Flip 5, yeah. If you live overseas, of course, you have, what, four or five different options between Europe and Asia, which is, it's a shame for us, but um, it is nice to have that competition though. It's nice because we've been saying over and over again, those of us who talk about folding phones repeatedly on YouTube, like, oh my God, Samsung needs competition in the United States, like nobody's business. And now it finally, it is here. You know, the Flip 5, maybe it'll be great, but at least it'll have some heat on it from somebody else. And the Razer Plus gets so much right that I think it, it is meaningful competition and not just like, Oh yeah, and then they also ran in the corner, you know. Yeah. What else did you like uh, about this? I I mean, I have some thoughts, but you're the expert, really. I, I like that they they kind of learned a lot of lessons from the prior models. You had these razors in the past from 2019-2020, which I personally liked a lot. Obviously, they weren't very successful. They corrected a lot of these issues that may have caused them to sell poorly. They they added better specs. They added things like wireless charging. They've mm. added they made the Bluetooth work, which is great. <laughs> um and also you know, battery life is actually fine, which yeah. is kind of, again, the most, I'd be interested, Justin, to know, because I carry the Flip 4 as well. 
Um, and I find its battery to be fine as well, but the, the, the razor keeps up with that. Or is it just, does it last you a day? Yeah, it'll last me a day, but I, I have to charge it at the end of the night, often before I go to bed, you know, uh, but I have chargers everywhere. It's never usually a problem, but yeah, it's, it's a day max, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's the, the razor does keep up with that. And I, I kind of like the hack. We keep going back to the cover screen, but I love the hack that if you are running low on a charge at the end of a night, you can just close the phone and use the cover. <laughs> like you can't nice. meaningfully do that on the flip four. <laughs> There's nothing you can do except receive no. out there, but you can like call your lift on a much yeah. more power efficient outer screen. Uh, I think on my hands on, I called it two phones in one. So like, yeah, it, it definitely feels like that. I like that. To the to the point of the battery life you were describing, Jess, I am anticipating basically the same amount of juice as in that's what I get on my iPhone 14 Pro anyway. The iPhone 14 Pro Max with the always on display and the um uh dynamic island, all of that stuff. It dies near the before the end of the day for me, depending on like, you know, so so really? yeah. So I don't think this is a problem unique. Well, it's kind of more of a problem for folding phones that are smaller, but it's it's things that play more than just that format. Um, so yeah, it's every new feature that we introduce. Can I ask both of you, since I have the experts in front of me, like what what should we be expecting out of foldable phones right now? All right, like is this still kind of an experimental period, or should we be expecting like fully functional, great, you know, everything? Where are we? I think we're in between. I think they're <laughs> more like things that we can mm-hmm. recommend buying now, but with caveats, with huge caveats. They're certainly not as mature as candy bar, <laughs> candy bar phones. Um, Fisher, what do you think? Uh, you're right. They are not as mature. I think it, we are literally what two minutes past talking about the Galaxy Flip 5. We're on the fifth generation of the Galaxy Flip. Um, We are on what I think this is the fourth generation Razor, if you count the overseas one. Look, it's there are still compromises. We have finally gotten to the point, though, where we can say things like, yeah, the battery is not an outstanding battery, but it's fine. It it keeps up. The cameras, you know, mediocre, but so are a lot of Motorola candy bar cameras. They're mediocre too. And the feature sets are becoming equivalent now. So it's like, I, I think the only things that are remain to be uh, outstanding, I used to say durability. I don't think that's true. I find the durability concerns to be overblown on foldables. I've carried foldables exclusively since January, 2020. Um, the, the thing is the associated concern of service and repair. That is a thing where these are so much more difficult to carry if you are a person with bad luck or is clumsy. Um, because if you break it and you go to you break, I fix, even if they are authorized to repair it, some many stores either don't have the parts or I have heard will say they don't have the parts because the people don't actually want to do it because they're harder to fix. Um, that is something you've really got to consider when you're when you're investing in these things. I hate to say that. But um, it, that's also a place Motorola is really going to have to bring it because Samsung, look, they don't do great. They're not Apple at it, but they're, you, they, you at least have options. Motorola, when I broke my Razer 5G, I dropped it on the concrete and everything on it broke except the folding screen, by the way. LOL. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I had no options whatsoever. It was buy a new Razer or do what I did, which is send it to Australia so an Australian YouTuber can repair it for me. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't think about like until these phones become way more prevalent, service and repair is going to be, you know, not as ubiquitous, not as easily accessible. 
um, for people who own them, which is why the issue of durability and long-term wear and tear uh, is more of a concern. And I think that, I think Jess, you mentioned again, you were starting to see the screen show signs of like, I don't know if it's displacement mm -hmm. or like just bubbling. It's cracking. Cracking. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, so Cracking and lifting on the side. So is it the protector? I'm sorry to, show, to interrupt, but- it, is Yeah, that, it's the protector. Yeah. I'm on my second replacement. It's like on right in the middle. Floor. Yep. You can peel it off, yeah. but- um, Yeah. I know. And I thought about that. It's just a little in the corner, but then this whole middle I can feel, you can't really see it, but there's a, like, when I run my finger over it, you can feel the crack. Um, and it's, you know, it's nothing, nothing wild. And yeah, I can take the protector off and just, you know, see what happens. Yeah. So we'll see. And I, yeah. I think before we get too far away from that, I don't, I don't want to get further in the weeds. I'm sorry, but um, because Samsung has been the dominant foldable manufacturer in the States for so long, people have associated what may be Samsung specific problems with the entire category. Hmm. Literally everyone else uses a different method of folding the screen. That's why Samsung's creases are different. That's why Samsung's screen protector is implemented differently. Mm. And we haven't had these other flip phones on the market for long enough yet to see if mm. these other approaches are actually better in the long run for things like lifting protectors, cracking, you know, plastic. So that's another thing we're going to have to check back in in a year and say like, hey, the razor held up a lot better or yeah, they're all going to bubble. You just got to rip that thing off. I think that's a very good point. And also a good point to wrap up the Motor Razor Plus segment on, which is to say we are going to need to spend way more time with things like this to see if in long term use, whether the screen lives, whether, you know, there's a screen protector that'll come off. Um, but Mr. Fisher... This week, yes. we also, both you and I, uh, reviewed another dis device, and I don't know just how interested you are in something like this, but the Pixel Tablet Review. It went up. Uh, I actually kind of like this thing. I've been very intrigued by it since it was first announced. The Pixel Tablet, if you recall, is Google's... I mean, they gave up on tablet, and then they're like, tablet again. I don't know what they're talking about. But this is an Android <laughs> tablet, 11-inch screen, uh, but designed... Uh, with a speaker, a charging speaker base that comes in the box uh, to turn it basically into a smart display. So it's, you know, it can help you handle your smart, like your home, connected home controls. It can have a photo frame, can share the time at a, with a large font and fun interface. Um, but when you need it as a tablet, like when you're sitting by on your couch and I don't know, playing games like solitaire, um, you can, <laughs> you can, and it's always charged and ready for you. Uh, we enjoyed this, uh, the score, uh, on our Engadget reviews, 85, but Fisher, do you agree with our sentiment here? Is that like a good device for you? I half agree. Uh, I did not I read your the thing idea. yet. <laughs> it's all right. It's a video. You might want I'll to watch, do that. <laughs> you might want to watch it. Now, uh, to be honest, um, I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I, I was uncertain about Google's pitch initially when they're like, yeah, you know how tablets, you, you, you don't use them and you throw them in a drawer. And I was like, right. God, who wrote that? But yo, it's, I went to look for my iPad mini. I was like, where is it? <laughs> oh, it's in a drawer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was it charged so or was, was it dead? Like, okay. It was dead. Uh, it's actually footed. Oh, yeah. No. So, so, okay. Um, the idea of this tablet that when you are not using it, you put down and it becomes something else. Yeah. What an amazing concept. And, you know, Google has made some pretty good Nest products. Uh, so in theory, it all works well. My problem is it only works as well as the Google Assistant, which is what makes all of their exactly. smart home products worth anything. And I hate the Google Assistant now. 
I used to love it. Huh. It has fallen completely apart. And I thought I was the only one until I Googled, has Google Assistant gotten? And I hadn't even typed G-O-T by the time it auto-completed and then worse. And ah. if you, you can just, the entire internet is littered with people having my experience. They're also all in the comments of my video saying, yeah, I feel the same. Uh, the assistant is terrible now. And the assistant being terrible makes this tablet terrible, which yeah. sucks because it's a great idea. I know, uh, Jess, you're an Android person, but I don't know if you're in the Google ecosystem when it comes to smart home. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I chose my corporate tech overlord, and it's Google. So I'm a Google household. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm very interested in this. Everything, your review sold me on it, yeah. Cher. That was so cute, trying to hang it on <laughs> Nate's ear. Very nice. Um, but no, I, I am... I am intrigued. I liked the the idea that it basically will never run out of battery because when you put it down, it's always charging and it's always accessible. Yeah. That made battery testing really tricky, by the way, because it's like, oh, right, right. I got to let this thing run this course. Oh, right. I got to understand how it's uh, battery really lasts in daily life. Right. But it's always on the speaker. So it's it's never going to run out of juice, really. Um, I did drain it eventually by playing seven straight hours of solitaire, but we'll get to that later. Um, the, the, the hanging on Nate's ear thing that you described, uh, for those of you who have seen our video, um, this tablet, uh, Google also makes a case for it that has a built-in metal ring that acts as a kickstand or a hanger. I guess. I think that's the word for it. I don't know what else you would call the hanging mechanism. Um, and it folds flat into the case. Uh, so you can actually leave the case on the tablet and still dock it onto the speaker without the ring or the kickstand getting in the way, which is, again, clever design, thoughtful approach. I do want to get back to the assistant issues that we you brought up, uh, Fisher, in a little bit. But uh, this this tablet case really made it for me um i really enjoy the idea of having a smart display that i can take places for whatever anything like if i wanted the photo frame to see more selfies of me all day every day uh, i could bring it with me anywhere i go <laughs> and the the smart home part of it doesn't exist when it is undocked so technically it doesn't work but i have found in my use that like if you just remove it from the speaker while it's still showing the photo frame and you just don't touch or unlock it it will still act as that like photo frame thing so you can still put it around your home and still get that uh stuff but um i again back to the assistant thing and back to like this thing as a smart display it has this thing called hub mode where basically you press the home button on the bottom left and you see these controls of your entire um all the uh connected appliances in your in your home that are google home uh compatible so you get this like eagle eye, bird's eye view of your lights, your camera feeds, your thing. I, I, are you, do you have many devices like that, Fisher, in your home? Was this dashboard helpful for you at all? Yeah, no, it would be. Yeah, if, if any of them would stay connected. Um, Yours didn't? No, 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 no. The whole house is broken. It's been broken. And it's been, is it, that, it doesn't matter what, where I live. It doesn't matter which routers I use. It's all, no, it's. it's but, just, this is a Google thing or a you thing or like what I'm trying to understand. This is a Google thing. It's okay. not a me thing. Google. I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. gonna, yeah. I mean, Jess, you have a Google household as well. Is this like same? Yeah. 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 I, I'll go to turn off the lights and often only half of them will turn oh. off, you know, stuff like that. It's just, okay. it's just, it has, it has gotten worse. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about the whole picture, but yeah. Part of I, the speculation on that is that, sorry, is that, is that Google has reassigned people from the assistant group to work on BARD. <laughs> And, and as Twitter has ably demonstrated, uh, anytime you take engineers off something, stuff starts breaking. 
So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that speculation is at all accurate, but I think it came from reputable. I think that's from the information, maybe. So I think it's right. Look, I've been annoyed at Nest speakers uh, since Google bought them um, since the beginning. They never stay connected. They never stay synced with each other. They're just always like, oops, bye. They'll be like playing my Spotify midway. And then they'll be like, no, I'm done. Bye. And I'll be like, can you resume what you were playing? And they'll be like, no, I wasn't playing anything. (laughs) Like truly gaslighting (laughs) the crap out of me. Um, And there were these issues too. And Sherlyn, you noted in your review, you talked about like the wrong device hearing you and Google really having a problem with like, knowing where you're trying to talk. And it's even if you're in the other room, the the device halfway across the house is going to hear you. I just, yeah, that's annoying. That's very annoying. Um, a lot of people had uh, given me f- feedback about the intro of my written review, which is that the Pixel tablet feels like an emotionally unstable partner. Um, I will clarify that initially I described it as the, the Pixel tablet is a, a, like a confusing partner, but my editor was like, no, this is emotionally unstable. And basically it, <laughs> the reason I bring that up is that like a partner that it's you're not sure about, <laughs> this Pixel tablet in some aspects is like very reliable and very like convenient. When it is working, it's like there and listening and it'll show you the weather and the traffic from very far away. You can see it. Nice, man. Like, wow. And then I love to see those photos of me. But then like every now and then it just doesn't work. Every now and then it's like, no, 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 I'm not going to play you your music. No, I'm not going to. I wasn't playing music. It's like gaslights me in that way. It's like, I wasn't playing Spotify. What you talking about? You hallucinating fam? And I don't know if it's gotten <laughs> worse, but it's always been so bad for me. Um, I did notice it did get bad, like worse than normal, maybe sometime a few months ago. And I was like, why are you so dumb now? You used to respond exactly to this command the way I needed you to. And now you just won't. Now you're like, no, I never did that. It's like a dog that unlearned its tricks in in its, you know, in its attempt to learn new ones. So I, I get the frustration. Yeah, it was, uh, sometimes I come up with them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's all of it as a, a, a smart home sort of display situation. I like the speaker. I think the quality was fine. But as a tablet, um, and I want to get to the video conferencing thing in a bit, but as a tablet, did you enjoy it, uh, Fisher? Uh, you know, it's it's fine. It It yep. is an Android tablet. And I, right. I think people will often draw the, comparison between yeah but you use galaxy fold all the time i'm like that's that's different that's truly a mobile product um this is an 11 inch screen and you yeah it's 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 fine i don't think that it's going to change the conversation about android tablets yeah i think there was a lot of confusion in my comments on my videos where it's just like why are you spending so much time on the home stuff and the assistant shouldn't matter talk about it like it's a tablet i'm like it's not 2012 this isn't a motorola zyboard like yeah this is this is meant to be a nest that you pop the screen off and use around right. the house and then put it back on the dock. You don't take this out, even though I put it on a keyboard dock and used a mouse. And uh, yeah, it's, it was fine. Don't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I I, yeah. I was no, that's how I'll be using it. Yeah, as like a nest. I was yeah. not excited by the tablet itself at all. Every time I had to pick it up and use it, I just like put it right back and I'm like done. I'm done. Like in a few moments, I don't need it anymore. I don't. You know, maybe I want to write on it, which this is where my mistake uh, in the review, written review came. 
uh, I had hallucinated. I had confused another briefing that I had taken about another tablet uh, where with the Amazon Fire Max 11, Amazon was like, oh yeah, we make this bundle where you can get the case and the stylus together. Uh, sorry, the yeah, case and the stylus together for 100, but the stylus itself is 30 and the case is 80 or something. And I was like, oh, and somehow my brain was like, that briefing was for the Pixel tablet. So I wrote it into my review and I was like, oh, Google makes this $30 stylus, but we never received it. <laughs> I was like, and, and so I think I there was a lot of, uh, rumors around whether or not the Pixel tablet has a Google Mate stylus and because my review had written that some of them oh, no. were like this is proof I was like no 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 I was just sleep deprived and sick as hell um, so let me just edit my I'm going to update my article to clarify that um, but it's it's something that you kind of want to do with the Pixel tablet which is to be able to write and take notes, not just the Pixel tablet, every tablet. You can do it with, uh, I think a UFI was the standard. Um, USI, yeah. USI, yeah. So you can use like a universal stylus input sort of um, a pen to draw on it. Again, though, you're always putting it back. And I wish Google would own that a bit more. I think Google wants you to still think of this as like an Android tablet. So it's multitasking productivity. It's got all these little like tweaks that it's done. And it wants you to really think about like that little split screen view that you can use the new little taskbar to launch apps side by side in. I did that one time or two times for the video and for testing. And yeah, I didn't care. You can drag and drop things. You can use WhatsApp on a tablet now. I did none of that really, like not by choice. I wouldn't do any of that by choice with the Pixel tablet. I would just put it on the speaker most of the time. Um, the only other thing I wanted to do with it was have it as a secondary display next to me using either the kickstand or the dock. And I could take my meat calls there while I'm still working on my laptop. And speaking of the meat calls, did you do that, uh, Fisher, at all? Yeah, I did. I actually quite liked how the this is oh, not new, but how it will digitally crap, uh, digitally crop, ah! uh, digitally crop on you, and <laughs> it'll it'll kind of follow you around effectively. Did it work for uh, you? It didn't work for me. It worked for me from a distance perspective. If I went left mm -hmm. and right in the frame, yes. it would kind of be whatever. But Correct. if I walked away from it, it would like track with me. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, that was pretty cool. I, I liked yeah. that. That was uh, working in our hands-on and it didn't work for me during the review because I did mostly side-to-side -side movement, but yeah, back and forth more. So uh, in the use case I described where I'm having the, the camera sitting next to my laptop while I, I'm not the camera, the display next to the laptop while I work, doesn't, auto-framing doesn't kick in. But if you're like in your kitchen, that's where you've left your speak your, cam your tablet uh, and you're walking back and forth, yes, maybe. So, okay, do you guys want to use this thing? Do you, do you want to, do you want one, Jess? Like, do you now? Are you are you sold? I think it's useful not as a tablet though. Like, I would just use it as like something in my kitchen, put on my music and my recipes. You know, like, hang it on, hang it on lights, Nate's ear. All the all the normal. Take it off. Hang it on. Somewhere. Hang it on Nate's ear. <laughs> it'll be it'll be cute. I'll put it through my gauges. It'll just hang out. Yeah, like <laughs> it's. But I don't think I would take it out and use it portably. Yeah, like like Google wants us to. Yeah. Uh, Fisher, you? Uh, no, because I I do have a space for tablets in my life, but again, it's 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 large format foldables. It's Galaxy Fold, it's Pixel Fold stuff. That is where those have completely obviated the need for tablets in my life. So, um, just personally, no. I will say there is one thing we haven't talked about, and um, I was heartbroken that I didn't remember to do this before I shot my video. Just like the old Pixel C from Google, one of my favorite devices of all time, if you throw the Pixel tablet at your refrigerator, it will stick to it. And I love that. Oh, uh, yeah, there's yeah. a magnet on the back. Here's the yeah, thing. It is awesome. <laughs> I think that's part of um, how it attaches to the speaker. 
Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so therefore you can use it on the refrigerator. It also <laughs> is what, yeah, it's also part of, I think what um, some of these like Android blogs were like, there might be a stylus coming for the Pixel tablet, right? They put a pen magnetically on the back, right? And they were like, oh, there's a holding <laughs> right. spot for a stylus. I was like, I, I think those magnets are there for other reasons. It's just a magnet. <laughs> uh, but cool. Maybe, yeah. who knows? Um, but a lot of a lot of interest. And I think Google... Here's, listen, I know a lot of Google people listen to this podcast, so I'm speaking directly to you now, my dear, beloved Google product people. Don't don't get so hung up now on, on the idea that this is a tablet, but celebrate the fact that you were ingenious enough to come up with accessories that really turn this thing into a useful, if, if you know, not tablet first device. Like, I actually love everyone that I've read the comments of on my videos too. They were like, Google was smart to come up with this speaker, uh, you know, that that supports the tablet and charges it when it's, you know, and then the case, the case is wonderful. But if you're going to cling on to the idea that we need to think about this as a tablet, I don't know, like Fisher said, the, the, the place for tablets, especially Androids with all these foldables coming out is, I don't know, it's, it's going away. Fisher, do you agree? Like, is it... With this message, yeah, yeah, it's 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 an entirely different thing to have a you know six and a half or seven and a half inch fold foldable display that an app has to spread out on. It's quite another thing for an eleven inch display to for for an app to 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 kind of jump out at that. Uh, so yeah, I do agree. Um, also, I to reiterate, yes, the concept is amazing. I I hope that they iterate on this concept and right, but I, I have no faith that they will because Google yeah. doesn't commit to anything. <laughs> At the end of my uh, review, I'll say, uh, the, I, I, I see the Google graveyard next door. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> hang in there. Just Seriously. So nervous that if you throw it at the refrigerator, it just slips off and then rolls down the hill to the, the cemetery or something. So in other non-reviews news this week, I mean, there was a lot going on, but I think what's on everyone's mind and lips and Twitter and tweets and stuff like that is the uh, <laughs> is Ocean Gate. It's it's the missing is the Titanic exploration submarine that had five extremely incredibly rich people in it, and uh, people are so torn over this issue about the coverage, about the fascination, the incredulity, and 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 the lives potentially lost or in trouble at the very least. Also, the way the submarine was built, also the tech in it. There's just such a layered story here. Um, before I tell everyone what is actually going on because I'm pretty sure most people do know. Jess, what stood out to you about this story? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have a deep fear of the ocean Mm, and deep water. So in my head, I'm like, it's just a scenario I would never choose to put myself in. And then hearing the stories about how janky this operation sounds, like I just... I really feel for the people that just wanted to have a good time and put themselves in life-threatening danger. It it sucks. It's just a tragedy, man. Well, I feel yeah. like this was a submarine you could you could maneuver with some expertise too, right? Because it apparently the controller <laughs> the I have thoughts on this game pass. Yes. <laughs> apparently the Titanic submarine, the exploration submarine uh, the way it was built, there were so many concerns around it. I mean, I think some of the windows was were built with uh, uh, material that couldn't withstand as much pressure as they were going to, uh, at least at the depths that they were going to. Um, but with the with the navigation part of the submarine, apparently the people who made this thing with again 
250,000 per ticket uh, to, to be part of this exploration trip. They couldn't spend more money on the controller. They use a Logitech, a $30 or $50 okay. Logitech controller here. Jess, you have feels. I have so many feels. I've heard, yes, I've seen everyone jump on this controller as a sign that this was actually the worst planned thing ever. The controller is not what made me think that. It was all the other yes, stuff around agreed. it. The controller is actually, it's an, it's an established, well-known piece of hardware. Game controllers are not only used for games. These are actually like surgeries, industrial situations. Game controllers are actually part of a lot of industries in ways that we don't see often. Um, but I wasn't shocked to see this, this very standard Logitech controller in the sub because it is such a standard, right? It does kind of make sense that they wouldn't try to build their own their own setup of controlling this vessel when we have something that's purpose-built for fine motor control of, of things outside of ourselves. It, so the controller, I understand it's very funny. <laughs> I had that controller back in the day, you know, like, so it's, I totally get it. But that's actually like the least shocking thing to me about like how how unsafe this was potentially. Yeah, Fisher, you you, you look deep in thought, almost yeah. thirteen thousand feet deep. <laughs> it's indeed. I um I, I I had the good fortune of touring a nuclear submarine a couple summers ago, and one of the thing we didn't we were pier side. And one of the first things the uh, tour guide showed me in the control room was that the way they, on a Virginia class submarine, the way you control what is effectively the periscope is literally an Xbox controller. Because I think they, you know, they solicited bids from Raytheon or Lockheed or somebody. And they're like, yeah, we can make you a $10,000 copy joystick. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to buy a bunch <laughs> of Xbox controllers. And because the sailors already know how to operate them. So Jess, you already said, said it better than I will be able to. Um but I, yeah, I've been following this very closely because I'm, you know, I'm a Titanic nerd. And uh, I think that's part of the reason that the this coverage is kind of outsized. You know, I don't think that we would be hearing as much about it if this was a submarine that went down to go check out some geothermal vents in right. uh, Oregon, you know. Um, right. But it, what is odd is that having grown up with, as a Titanic nerd, it kind of feels like it's it's happening in a place I know, even though I've never visited. So I think I would have liked to try to go. And I I probably would have been lured into the same false sense of security that I think a lot of the folks probably had. I mean, you know, I would have signed away the forms and I would have said, okay. oh, wow, great risk to my life. Not certified at all. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> okay. But this guy seems confident and he was a pilot, so uh, I can probably trust him, right? Yeah. That, that was the question you know. I was going to ask. Would you have signed the three mm -hmm. waivers where multiple mentions of death? And I think that one waiver, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I mean, anything threatens death, right? Like you go on IMDb, it's like reading this website might might cause you to die or like you go on WebMD, is what I meant. Um, you might have cancer. Everywhere, at every corner, every turn, it's like, yeah, you might die. So I, I get the first waiver, but by the third waiver, you know, and also the setup of this um, of this submarine. Let's talk about the like internal um, layout because the way the people were seated, it was like you, again, you couldn't make a bit more room. I Most recently, I think it was last night, I read that like the bathroom situation... <laughs> was very oh god you know yeah, um no almost nothing it's the it's like was yeah added after the fact it wasn't even oh. included initially yeah because they probably didn't think they were going to bathroom. be there that long very loose bathroom yeah yeah no no it's it's not supposed to be a long trip right like, i mean it's like what two hours down and two hours back it's a 
it's incredibly deep. Like we can't overstate how far down and how much pressure builds so quickly at the at that depth. Like I know we're all kind of reckoning with like this search area the size of Connecticut and but it's just the depth to me that truly it makes me scared just talking about it. Like, absolutely, not for me, man. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that would have gotten me. Not, not any waiver. More, more so than any waiver or any doubts about the craft. It's that if you end up in an emergency situation, there is almost nothing on the planet that we have built that can help you. And it's if if it does exist, it's too far away, and you'll die first. There were no precautionary measures no backup measures it seemed like that were taken um one thing that our producer ben had pointed out uh in some of the research around this was that like this one of the strange design choices was that the submarine can only be open from the outside <laughs> so even if like i guess they assume that when you're not back at the it's dock submarine. you're underwater so you would never want to open it from inside but that seems just like have a fail safe. There were no fail safes. Um, David well, Lockridge, were, the there ocean. There were some. There were some. Like they, like they were in the design. Like there were, there were like six or seven. It, it's just, a, I think it's a more a question of execution because there were some clever fail safes. But they're it, it, based on their previous dives, it seems like they were not implemented well. Obviously, huh. um, the Ocean Gate's former director of marine operations, David Lockridge, had uh, reportedly voiced some serious concerns about the viability of some of the earlier models, and then the company just fired and sued him. So, not great. Basically, uh, I think it's to your point, uh, Fisher, when you said that this was about the Titanic and therefore it had outsized uh, attention, I think this was like a perfect storm of a lot of different factors that made it such a big topic when it happened um this was meant to be like an eight-day trip uh the fact that it's to see the titanic um i don't know what you describe it the titanic site uh the 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 wreck site um the fact that the the thing could be attributed to so many issues like it's what it was a mystery at heart right like what happened that's also another intriguing thing um the fact that it's five extremely wealthy people which the whole world would love to hate about you know that's also another factor. And then all the all the things that the could have been, the should have, would have, could have about this. I think it just, and then, then you throw in the, the Xbox controller, the gaming controller, the Logitech controller. Well, so Michael, like as a, as a like Titanic guy, um, what does this, does this do anything like to you emotionally? Like the, the preservation of the site or like just the news around it? What does this, what does this do for you? I, it's a good question. Thank you. I, I'm not as worried about the wreck as I think a lot of people are. Um, I, I, I'm, I am, I can't get my mind off the people, and I find it a lot easier to sympathize with them because of a shared interest. You know, one of the one of the people aboard is a very famous Titanic historian. Um, so you know, I, I I also have problems with billionaires. I have problems with our our, our global structure, but um, this this is a terrifying and and very sad story and i i can't uh, you know that's that's what occupies my thoughts and all i can hope is that you know it was quick and if uh it, it most likely was uh, i really hope that's true it's sounding like the most plausible outcome was instant implosion beyond a certain um depth uh again it was supposed to go to 13,000 feet which is a lot um and at this point as we're covering this right now they have officially run out of air unless Somehow there were fewer than five people left, which I don't want to imagine. Um, but again, given the attention and just the whole amount of like 
plot points around this, I guess. I could see a movie coming out, what, next year, two years? Just oh, just God, imagine yeah. <laughs> Hollywood, <laughs> you know, descending oh on the story. Um, I'm sure coverage of the story will be ongoing and like it's still a mystery. I don't know if we'll ever find out what happened. There's there's so many other things involved, right? Like how they were communicating with, you know, between their base and, and the, the submarine itself was like only text. And of course, because what can travel that much, you know, depth and stuff like that. A lot of little things that people are learning about submarine travel from this. I think if that's anything, there's a silver lining that we maybe could be more careful about future expeditions and trips and things that people build maybe there will be more oversight uh you know into these sorts of vessels yeah. and and that well, sort of thing we should make that point that's a good that's a good point Sherlyn. like there already is you know there, there's amazing oversight like the the, the submersible most yeah. famous for going down to titanic the most number of times like has been in operation for decades because it is certified all to hell there are safety obsessed people whose job it is to keep them safe. And right. it, you know, if you're making a new type of sneaker and you want to remove certain regulations for that, okay, let's chat about it. If you want to build, I don't know, a submarine or a new nuclear power station or something that has catastrophic potential, I don't know, maybe regulations aren't the worst thing in the world. Just mm -hmm. a thought. Yeah. They mm -hmm. are important. Very similar to like space travel, right? Like going to space, very similar to going to the depths of the ocean. And we, ha we regulate the crap out of that. Um, makes sense to me. We would do it both ways, yeah. Lesson learned. One last item in other news this week. It's actually not this week's news. It is uh, something I discovered uh, in, in trying to catch up on news over... Well, actually, something I discovered uh, when I opened an app on my phone and then realized it had happened a while ago. Um, basically, Amazon, sometime in May or April, had announced that it will shut down the Halo Health service starting July 31st. Um, I discovered this because I opened my Halo app to see how much I had slept the night before because I am still actively using the Halo Rise to track my sleep. Like I said, I love the thing. I like to see how many hours I got each night. And uh, it told me, like, uh, starting August, you will no longer be able to use this device. You will no longer see any of your data. And I was really bummed. Really, really bummed. I didn't expect to be so actually sad about uh, Amazon shutting down Halo, which we have ridiculed many times on this podcast. I know that uh, it's not the most popular service. Their ban was very controversial. The fact that it was policing your tone, its uh, body fat composition scanning tool just actively was inaccurate. Uh, Fisher, have you had any experience with Halo devices and services? And are you sad? No, I'm happy to to learn about it. I I've recently become a Garmin person, so. Uh, I, I get the obsession with health tracking stuff. I'm sorry. That would, it would make me very sad if Garmin yeah. shut down. So, yeah. Jess, do you use any of these? No, I don't. I don't use any like health tracking things. I guess I should. But I know that this is a favorite of yours, yeah. so I'm very sad for you. Well, here, here uh, what? <laughs> but this is telling me a lot, right? And this is probably why Amazon has to shut it down because no one's using it except for me. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. It's you. <laughs> My little $6 a month subscription is not going to keep them alive for the rest of the yep. lifespan. So this was just a bit of news that I thought we should um, highlight. If you're an Amazon Halo user and you haven't already seen the big red warnings in your Halo app, um, it's also fun, not fun, it's also interesting to see the demise of like Amazon's 
health-focused device arm. Remember a, a few episodes ago, we were just talking about Amazon's uh, ambitions as a healthcare company. And so I, it looks like instead of continuing with Halo, it's just going to go over to One Medical and being a pharmacy and more real-world, non-device type stuff. And hopefully it's less, you know, tracking less of your data. I think there are a lot of concerns around that too. Uh, so a little bit of a wrap-up to this mini saga of Amazon's Halo Health Services. And uh, with that, it is time to say goodbye to Mr. Fisher, Mr. Mobile Michael Fisher here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us today and not only talking about the products we reviewed, but also the submarine and being a Titanic nerd. Thank you for all of this conversation. I'm, I'm sorry that I can't stick around for the rest of it, but I, like you, have to get to the next thing I'm reviewing because it's yep. never ending. I can't yep. wait until we get past next week. Um, next week will be was, great. Yeah. You guys go take a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where can people find you, Mr. Mobile? Um, people can find me on Twitter at captain two phones. It's captain, the number two phones. I make YouTube videos at the Mr. Mobile T H E M R M O B I L E. And, um, it was sure. Leonard, it's always a freaking pleasure. Jess it was very nice to meet you after a long time following you Wonderful. on Twitter. And, uh, and uh, what should uh, what should people do? What should they stay? Stay mobile, my friends. Stay mobile. Yay, he <laughs> stay did. Mobile. He said the thing. He said, <laughs> he said the thing. <laughs> All right, now that it's just us girls, honey, let's talk about Summer Games Fest. Can you tell me how it was covering the show and then tell me what your favorite things were? Yeah, so Summer Game Fest this year was like the not E3 because E3 was actually announced this year and then they canceled it when basically no one signed up. Um, so Summer Game Fest is this like the Game Awards team. They put on this whole show. Last year when I went, it was small, like pretty small. And this year we actually brought a team. We had a few reporters there. We had video people and me and... It was like an actual mini E3, um, and it felt really cool to be back on the ground doing all this stuff and seeing all the games. And Xbox had a big show. Ubisoft had a big show. Um, you know, it, it's like it, it felt like like the old days a little Aww. bit, which was very nice. I wish I could have been there, yeah. honestly. I, I think we need a, a good casual mobile gamer, overcooked professional, actually. We, we, we need you and on solitaire. the ground <laughs> for Overcooked 3 whenever <laughs> they announce that. And solitaire, yeah, and all the front-facing games on those phones. So, so yeah, like this this year, I think in the gaming industry, the big trend right now is consolidation. Um, obviously, there are other trends like um, cloud gaming and streaming services taking off, and like so Xbox Game Pass and Sony's PS Plus service, um, where they're offering like libraries of games on, at a subscription price. Um, and you can just kind of access these at any time. You don't have to download them if, you, if you're streaming them, which is great. Um, but right now, the big story is Microsoft owns like half of the industry already, and they're trying to buy Activision Blizzard, the other half. And then at the same time, Sony has also purchased a lot of studios recently, and a lot of like AA mid-tier studios are really like, it feels like they're up for grabs at any time. Even large, like well-known studios like Activision Blizzard, one of the largest in the world. Um, so, so yeah, I, it's just like you can see the effects of this consolidation, which has been happening for a few years. It's ramping up right now, even more. But um, the effects that we're seeing 
in the AAA space is a lot of sequels, a lot of remakes, and then with combined with the the processing power of our current console hardware, we're also just seeing a lot of big games from AAA studios. Not necessarily full of innovation or new mechanics, but just big open world games because now we have the tools so where players can run these games um, and they're kind of taking it, they're taking it to a place that I think is pretty bland. Um, so this was like a chance for the game industry to kind of show like, hey, there's still cool stuff happening. And we got a little bit, as always, all the innovation that I really love in this industry is coming from the indie space, all the indie games and AA games, like this is, this is the good stuff. Um, but then there was also like Alan Wake 2, which is a sequel I'm personally very excited about. Um, the, the Star Wars game out of Ubisoft looks good, you know, so like there are bright spots in this, in this lineup. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can talk about, yeah, the Alan Wake sequel I played or I didn't play, but I watched a developer play like 30 minutes of the game. Um, and this is, this is a game, this is Remedy Entertainment. Um, and Alan Wake, so this is, these are the people that did Control recently, which was a great game. And Alan Wake is kind of a classic. Um, and it's like a psychological thriller. And this new game actually puts you in the shoes of a new protagonist. And you're able to switch between her and Alan Wake, the original protagonist. Everything is super spooky. They're really going hard on survival horror this that. time rather than like adventure thriller. Yeah, it's it's like old school Resident Evil, but with a shiny new face. Like it's really cool. Um, so I was into it and I'm really excited about Alan Wake 2. Would I need like a beefy console to play Alan Wake 2? Is it one of those like you said where there's like a lot more processing and, and beautiful graphics, I guess? This will be a standard, like, I think most PCs should be able to run it. But I, at this stage in, in the gaming industry, I would recommend a console over PC right now just because so many PC ports have been breaking because developers are building for the higher capabilities of the console hardware as it exists now. And that hardware is actually more powerful than a lot of PCs nowadays. So it's just like, just for stability, consoles are generally gonna be able to run these games at least. They'll, but if, they, if your rig can handle it, they'll probably look better on PC, right? Unless they're totally broken, Star Wars Jedi. Right. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Um, yeah, Jedi Survivor had a lot of a lot of bugs. I heard on PC. so. Okay, in the chat, uh, Mark Dell is asking about a Sony handheld. Was that announced during Summer Games Fest or? Yes. Oh, so that that was right before Summer Game Fest. Sony doesn't like they don't like to participate in the big summer shows. Like they didn't do E three for a while, and now they're they're they do their own shows uh, before the Summer Game Fest show. Um, and they announced Project Q, which is a streaming handheld. We are not sure how streaming it's going to be because right now as it as it exists, it seems like it's just a console, like a handheld device that can stream from your PS5 right. console to the device. Huh. So it's not actually cloud gaming, streaming from a, a server somewhere else, the games. But I think so. Yeah, I think Sony will roll out and they are testing. Actually, they just uh, released some cloud actual cloud gaming capabilities. I think this handheld will support that because it really, really makes sense <laughs> that their handheld would support cloud gaming and not just local streaming. Yeah. 
um, because it's not 2008 right. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we'll have to, I guess, learn more about it. I guess this is what typical company launch style. They didn't give you all the details and you're going to have to wait at some point to figure it out. Yeah. And it's still pro- it's exactly. called Project yeah. Q. So it's like, what? It's still not a, a full like launch with uh, with dates and pricing and everything. Right. And I don't think we've gotten, we haven't gotten pricing and I don't think we've gotten like a firm date for that one either yet. So it's still pretty, you know, they're, they're working on it, but Hey, I've, I've made videos. I've talked about this for years, but like, I would love a Vita. (laughs) I just want a Vita. So if this is something like that, I'm, I'm happy. So we'll see. I'll, I'll give it a try when it comes out, right? Yes. Well, I can't wait. I mean, okay, Summer Game Fest, more your thing than really my thing because I I, I play casual games, again, like Solitaire. Um, seriously, if you've been listening to this episode, every time I mention Solitaire, just take a sip of something. Anyway, uh, but I, I know some other people were excited about other games that we learned about this uh, show or this festival, like what, Mortal Kombat? What is Mortal Kombat? happening there yeah so our video guy that was on the ground with us brandon he was so stoked to play mortal kombat so we got him he did the video and he was so so please watch the video on mortal kombat that we did out of summer game fest he has this story um but yeah mortal kombat looks amazing and it comes on the heels of street fighter 6 yes. which is also a very successful now are, uh, yeah. fighting mm-hmm. game yeah the so like fighting games are getting this little resurgence right now i'm very happy about it um, I'm not great at these games, but Mortal Kombat, like, it's just the characters, every time I hear, like, sectors, like, little rockets popping out, like, it's just, it's so in me, right? Like, Mortal Kombat is one of those franchises that is just in the DNA of the industry. So, love to see them doing new cool stuff. And the game looks very smooth. Is it, does yeah, it have, like, a storyline cool. the way what Street Fighter Six I think, has a storyline? Mm-hmm. Well, Mortal Kombat has a whole universe of lore, and, like, this is going back... To the beginning, it's kind of almost rewriting history, but they're they're not totally committing to that. There's but there's some like yeah mm. prequel madness happening with this game. Mm. That's why it's Mortal Kombat one. From a so, from yeah. Mortal Kombat to Immortals, uh, I'm seeing a, a shout out to 33 Immortals here as well. Was what what is that? Is that a fighting game? 33 Immortals is one of the smaller games that we checked out. Um, this is. So this is, I forget who, oh, Spiritfarer, I think it was the people that did that game. Um, so this is a cool indie studio, and it's an online 33-player game. Wow. So it's like Hades, but with 32 of your friends, and you just kind of have to defeat some monsters together. It's wild. I don't, I don't know. We had our, so we had Matt Smith on the ground. I know, right? <laughs> our reporter dude, he... He did um, a six-player match. Like, they just, they had only, you know, six players in the game. And he said it was, like, already chaotic. Yeah. So I'm very intrigued. But, like, this is the stuff I love to see come out of the show. Like, what? A 33-player? What do you mean? Uh, uh, yeah, it's... How can... We talk about massively... Yeah. <laughs> multiplayer games. Uh, but, yeah, that's wild. I'm, like, thinking, um, how would the servers then, handle so, like, that? that game, Sorry, I'm just, like, they're already, like, yeah. Oh, no, the... The servers, they can handle thousands. Okay. Like, this okay. is not... That's a, that's actually not... Yeah, we're okay on the server side. I promise. Good. Like, that's fine. And you said MMO, yeah. Um, okay. But, like, the game... So that game, and then the other game that, like, really kind of stole the show... Um, I'll talk about another one later. But, like, one that stole yeah. the show for, like, all yeah. of us is Cocoon. Yeah. So this is a game from the developer of Inside and, like, the... The guy that did like Limbo, um, I'm, I have to look up what he, what his actual title was, but 
this guy knows how to make games. And Cocoon is this really just like something we've never seen before. That, and I, I love to see that. So you, you're this little insect alien thing. You're wandering around this alien planet. You pick up orbs and you put them down and then you can jump in the orbs. And that's a whole new world. And you can take the orbs with you to different worlds. It's very difficult to describe without seeing I it. have a description. Um, but it's a very... Is it like, is it like Quantumania? Is it like Ant-Man and Quantumania? I have not ah, seen Okay, that. You know you know the um, Quantum Realm in the Avengers franchise? No? Girl. Girl what? Okay, well, I think my Can description is Harry perfect. Potter? That's all I got. I, just, I think my description is perfect. I think we're good. Let's go on. <laughs> I, it's, it's like, okay, how about this? So Aaron Suporis played this for us at the show. And he compared it to the Men in Black like in the original Men in Black, the cat has a world yes, on its necklace, yes, right? Yes. A little orb. Uh-huh. Okay, it's that. Yeah, it's basically is that. Yeah. That. Okay, but I, I think y'all just, you, I think you and Aaron both need to go watch like newer movies. Yeah. Okay. That sounds fun. I would love. I would love to check it out. It seems very inspired and it seems unique. Um, but what you said you were going to mention very another cool. yeah. game later on. What was what's this other game? Well, yeah, this is kind of in the like what I'm working on. Girl. So um, it's like the final game I'm going to write up from uh, Summer Game Fest is a game called Simpler Times. And it's like the cozy game of the show for me. Um, it, it's just this like it's you're just in a bedroom, your childhood bedroom, sunlight streaming through the windows and you're packing up your things. You're a young woman packing up her things as she's going on to the next stage of her life and you're learning about her life. It's just a slow like beautiful music driven game and it's it was just like really nice to take a moment on the show floor and play this game so i'll be writing up a little bit about that and you know following that game too well thanks for all your hard work covering and i'm i'm both sad and happy i guess to hear that you're still covering summer game fest even though you've not you're no longer at the physical physically at the show right yeah well okay and then while we're wrapping up one story if if y'all have been following our coverage, uh, this one went up at the end of last week. I wrote about Netflix buying a bunch of indie studios and and publishing a bunch of indie games. And one studio they bought is Oxenfree yes. 2, the, the studio that made Oxenfree 2, Night School. Um, so, so Oxenfree came out, obviously it was a smash hit. Night School is now owned by Netflix and Oxenfree 2 will be the first game uh, published, you know, while they're owned by Netflix. Um Netflix is doing some cool stuff in games right now. Can I? Like, they're actually... Yeah, please. I... We'll talk... No, you go on. Yeah, you finish. No, because I I have a thought. So you finish your thought. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm very interested. So, like, Netflix is kind of picking up this slack that Xbox used to be doing and Sony used to be doing and supporting these studios, just kind of throwing money at indie studios and saying, bring your games to our platform. Um, So, yeah, Netflix is going to... They're planning on having 100 games in their library by the end of the year, give or take. Uh, They already have like 40. They're going to add 50 more. And they own Night School. Um, They they own the studio behind Alpha Bear, which is another like cute, cool indie studio, Spry Fox. And they're publishing games like Lias Horizon from Snowman, the Alta's adventure like publisher. So... They're, they're really doing some cool stuff. Please check out that story um, just because I think Netflix is here to stay when it comes to games. It's surprising, 
Uh, I will say this. What my thought was is that I have checked out some of Netflix's uh, mobile games before and also quite recently. And at the start, it was all like a little like snake replacement. Like, right. It's like very, very simple games that you could play anywhere else. I haven't seen some of these new games. It's um, maybe published since. And I'm not sure. Are they publishing them the same way they've been publishing all their older games? Okay. So you would go download them on your phone through the Netflix app. Okay. Yep. I have been playing. Yeah. You have to have a Netflix subscription. Yeah. I've been playing, and here's the thing about Netflix, right? I, I can I can kind of see where it's going. They have strong franchises and strong content that they could build games off of. For example, they could turn Stranger Things into a game or a theme park. They could. They have. Okay, great. I think I, I missed that. But that's part of the okay, so that's part of the appeal. And what I read my story. What I've been playing, honey, you'll be surprised slash happy to hear this. I and I finished the game already. Just didn't talk about it because it felt bad. Um I played too hot to handle the game. Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. There's a game. There is the game. And this is basically like any of those like sim games where you like, it's like the Kim Kardashian game or the Kylie and Kendall game, which I've played before, embarrassingly enough. Um, and it's the same thing where you go in and answer some questions. You can choose what the characters do. You can choose who to pair up with and whatnot. And, you know, if you're not familiar, Too Hot to Handle is this Netflix reality dating show where um, the like the plot twist is that like yeah it's all these really hot people who hook up casually with a lot of different partners and lovers but while they're on the show they're not allowed to do any of that physical stuff and doing any of that at all would cause them to lose money from a prize pool and the goal is for them to learn to look past the physical appearance and stuff like that the game version of that is more or less the same except for i i i I did not there were parts of it that felt very um non-consensual yeah I can see that with a game yeah. like and that. And that's, a, that's mm-hmm. a game that needs a heavy, like, X-rated warning. Let's just put it that way. So um, I, I can talk about this game at greater length, I'm but not. I am... Another time. I am now currently very intrigued by where Netflix is going, though, because these other indie games you're talking about, Jess, they seem actually very compelling. I would totally play them on my phone. Perfect for me. Yeah, I would say don't worry about the branded, licensed Netflix stuff, but, like, they've published Kentucky Route Zero on mobile, through Netflix. Please play that game. It's incredible. I'll try that. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there that they're, that they're publishing and they're doing some interesting things. Yeah. Well, thanks for again for all your hard work at summer game fest. What else are you working on, uh, this week slash in the coming days? Oh, geez. Um, yeah, I'm still recovering from summer game fest and I am working on an interview that I did with the, uh, founder of Bloober team, the studio, that does Layers of Fear and um, the new Silent Hill 2 remake. So we're going to talk about kind of the future of Bloober Team and its past and how it got to where it is. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, that is, I can't wait to read that. Uh, meanwhile, I am working on, I have finished those, well, I'm going to finish the Motor Razor Plus review, put it up soon. Um, and then a lot of behind the scenes stuff. We have a new uh co-worker who just joined the team uh her name is malak and i'm helping malak with some stuff we're doing some really good fun testing of the dyson zone um meanwhile you know growing into uh my new role that i got at the end of 2021 this you know the deputy editor badge that i got <laughs> uh finally really you know g- getting a lot more of that stuff um uh under i guess my authority and so a lot it comes with a lot of change and learning so um, if you don't hear from me for a bit, I, I, I think the Motor Razor Plus review might be the last review I do for a bit because now I'm going to be behind the scenes orchestrating, controlling all these pu- puppets that is our team. So there you go. 
Jess, I am excited to hear what you have uh, in terms of recommendations, the Engadget picks. What would you recommend our listeners and viewers uh, check out this week? Yeah, I've been like zoning out and playing a lot of Overwatch because that's what I do. <laughs> so I've been listening to Janelle Monae's Ooh. new album, The Age of Pleasure, okay. and it's fantastic. Okay. What uh, genre? I cannot recommend it enough. It's just, it's like smooth R&B pop. Like, just kind of, you know, what she does. She's got that soulful, beautiful voice. Um, and she's just singing about, like, feeling yourself and feeling sexy. And it's phenomenal. I love that. Mm. Um, I will go put it on and listen to it. There's a lot of new music coming out. It is the summer. We're approaching the summer. Um, as for me, I don't know if we mentioned quantum mania since we did this episode i will talk about it i know that davindra has his issues with it but i enjoyed watching it um and my actual pick slash recommendation this week i'm sure is a title i've talked about before on the show uh and might even have recommended it before i've mentioned it a few times this episode but go play solitaire y'all it exists in so many forums you can play on any platform <laughs> on your phone android ios laptop pc i'm sure the switch has it you can take out a deck of cards and start playing it uh, it's, it's, it's a fun puzzle I love it <laughs> and it's really not an excuse at all that I didn't find some other thing to recommend you all this week and I'm leaning <laughs> on solitaire well that's it for the episode this week everyone it was a big one so thank you for listening to all of it our theme music is by game composer Dale North our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien the podcast is produced by Ben Elming you can find Jess online at on Instagram at Jess L. Condit. If you have any further thoughts about the review timing, how we publish things, or any just suggestions at all, you can send them to me. I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcast at engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Bye. You go on IMDb, it's like reading this website might might cause you to die.